everyone, and welcome to the Winging It F1 podcast. It's the day after an absolutely mad Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Um, with me to discuss all of the madness are two mad people. It's Freddie Coates and Adam Dickinson. How are you both doing after what was just a nuts race? I'm doing great. I really enjoyed the race. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's chaos and stuff like that, and it's carnage, and we don't like seeing massive crashes. But the actual racing that came out of the big crashes was brilliant. So, yeah, well, nice. Well done, Baku. Everyone said that, and it feels wrong to say it, but yeah. Mm, it does feel wrong to say it, so I'm not going to. Um, but yeah, I'm so mad that I'm doing this podcast without a lamp on for the first time ever, I think, or ever in my uni room. So that is just how crazy we are here. Is it as crazy as the Baku race? Probably not, but we'll let the audience decide that. I'm good, Nigel. How are you? Uh, yeah, fine. I did an exam this morning, and so did Freddie. Hopefully, it's gone. Well. I didn't. Uh, yeah, you didn't because because you passed yours because you're clever. <laughs> not that we aren't, or not 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 that Freddie isn't. Sorry, I mean, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, now he just spends his days offending me, and I just sit here. <laughs> I'm waiting for the next. I'm waiting for the next thing. It's going to be insane. I'm going to have to. I've got like a bingo card of Nigel attacking me. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, let's talk about. The Azerbaijan Grand Prix. I mean, I have no idea where to start. I think it's only fair if we do talk about the winner for Sergio Perez. It was wasn't a great qualifying. He only started seventh, but then he just vaulted up the order. Obviously, took advantage of all the mayhem, which we're going to talk about. I guess he deserved the win in a way. Is, is that fair to say? <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. Did he deserve the win? Hmm. <laughs> I'm so harsh um, on the Red Bull drivers, on the second yeah. Red Bull driver. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, he qualified seventh. He started sixth because of Lander Norris's penalty. Um, to be fair, his, his first Q3 lap was kind of his only bad lap of the weekend um, because yeah. his Q2 time was matching with Verstappen and was three tenths faster than his Q3 lap bank lap it eventually was. That wasn't even supposed to be his main Q3 lap. So um, on a lap when he was conserving tyres in Q2 on that lap, for the start of the race, he was faster. So it was just a terrible lap at the start of Q3, which is annoying because he probably could have been way up there and didn't have to vault his way up through the order at the start. But when, but he did that in a very good way. His first three corners were brilliant, up two places past Sainz and Gasly, um, and then kept tabs with Leclerc, Hamilton and Verstappen while they were kind of had the opportunity to slipstream each other away from um, Perez, and he kept tabs with them. So... He did a really good job and he got himself into contention with some fantastic driving, I think. He did a much better job than Gadley and Albon have ever done in that car. Um, and he kept Lewis he Hamilton, the <laughs> seven-time world champion, behind him for an entire race, basically. Yeah. And I think that's very, very good. And I think he does deserve the win. I think Nigel... <laughs> I mean, yeah, obviously Verstappen did deserve the win also, but two drivers can deserve the win. Yeah, I think, I don't know whether that's damning with Frank Prey saying that he's better than Gasly and Albon were in the car, because I don't think that's really saying much. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I think I think Verstappen definitely deserved the win. Perez, yeah, go on then, why not? Let's, let's be happy for him. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, it was genuinely a good race. I think he, even with Hamilton's slow pit stop, I think he probably would have got out ahead of him anyway, because he was putting in some monster laps around he, he around could have been period. in the lead he could, and, have, been, he could um, have taken the lead there it would have been mad 
Yeah, and then, you know, he did so well because Hamilton had DRS for most of his time that he was behind Perez and he couldn't do anything. Perez drove well, he managed his tyres well and then, yeah, as you say, he, I don't know whether he got a, well, he obviously got lucky in a way with um, Verstappen's blowout and I'm sure we'll talk about that later and obviously Hamilton's um, locking up at the at the first corner because I thought Hamilton was through there but ultimately, you know, that was Hamilton's mistake and Perez was flawless for most of the Sunday, really. And he did very yeah. well at the start, actually moving up as well. He got through, he cleared the traffic in front of him very quickly. Yeah. That, that was Brilliant crucial, job. I think. That was crucial to his win to get in that position. Because from there, it was absolutely perfect for Red Bull. I mean, they would have had their first one, two since Malaysia 2016, I think, if not for everything, everything that happened. And Perez only just finished the race, didn't he? He had a hydraulics problem. So that's why yes. he stopped after the first yeah. turn. So imagine if that happened on the last lap. Mm. <laughs> it would have just been, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fair enough that he was managing that as well at the end. And I mean, yeah, there's no, it's only only so much you can do to manage a hydraulics issue, but that controls so much of the car. That's power steering, DRS, um, brakes, I want to say, brake by wire systems. So all of like, basically all of the key <laughs> ingredients to the car were having to be managed by Perez at the end and he couldn't, you know, overexert the car because then he could have just completely because a hydraulics issue normally just goes like that, gone, car mm-hmm. off. So he did Rebel were lucky that, that didn't happen today, yesterday, in the race. Um who knows when we're recording this. And um they were lucky that that was manageable as a problem. I don't know how much he would have done in the car, but presumably it was he wasn't, you know, overexerting that car. Yeah, Nigel's saying in his introduction that record that we're here the day after the race definitely <laughs> wasn't a hint as to when we are recording it. It's um, yeah. it's two weeks after. Yeah, the French Grand Prix has actually already happened, uh, and we're still reviewing yeah. the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, which is a lot about <laughs> poor regard. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've got so much to talk about. So I think I think on a normal podcast we would talk more about Perez because it is his first win for Red Bull. But I think we have to get on to Sebastian. Nah, it's fine. He's already got a win. Yeah, yeah it's the boring. Man who, the man who he, the Vettel, sorry, replaced Perezinti. So, and to get mm. second in an Aston Martin, I mean, I don't think anyone expected that before the weekend. I did. And for me, he was driver of the day. Did you? No, I thought, I, I think I might have predicted that he'd get a podium this season, but um, I didn't think he'd get one this weekend. Otherwise, I would have said that on Friday's podcast or Thursday's or whenever we did it. I think we all thought you'd get a podium this year and then we saw how terrible the Aston Martin was in comparison to last year's racing point. And I thought going into the year, oh yeah, Vettel will get a podium and Stroll will probably get a podium in the same way that Perez and Stroll did last year. But um, then as from sort of testing, I was kind of thinking, hang on a second, maybe not. Maybe this car is going to be, you know, kind of like your um, seventh, eighth place car and that's it really. What you kind of would expect from Alpine. Um, yeah, what, we, what you would expect from your Alpine. Um, uh, so yeah I think it was it was a stunning job it was proper it was it was Vettel of old and it was Force India of old if that makes sense in that the two came together with brilliant driving and brilliant strategy um, that was off the wall but fantastic to be able to lead a few laps of the race um, and then overcut about four or five cars um, not 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 that many. He made up a few places at the start, but eleventh to second as a as just an afternoon. No matter how, with only two cars ahead, retiring to be fair. Well, going out of contention, 
that's still 11th to 4th. So on, on a bad day, that's fantastic. Was Ocon ahead of him when he retired? Because I know he got a good jump. I don't know. I, don't I can't remember Ocon's yet. start. Um, yeah. I, he did make he, it places at the start, but I can't remember where. Yeah, but he came up from like... Too. He came up from like 14th or something, didn't he? And Vettel came up from 11th, 12th. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe maybe they both did because Bottas, I don't drop back to like something. Or a few drivers dropped yeah. back. Sonoda and Bottas dropped back. Mm-hmm. And I think Vettel and Ocon went Even up. Then, but... like, a, yeah, even know, then, like, fifth place would be a mad performance for Aston Martin. I think it'd be yeah. their best this season, I think. Um, yeah, match so, last week. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just phenomenal drive from him. And he did. I know. Obviously, he said he had the look with the drivers in front of him pulling out, but you know he still led or nearly led the midfield um, behind just Gasly. So, oh no, sorry, no, he was ahead of Gasly, wasn't he? So yeah, he led oh, the midfield, yeah. which is a phenomenal achievement. He overtook Leclerc. He overtook Gasly in one one lap. He did both of them, yeah. and by that point, his tyres weren't as fresh as they could be. But then he kept tabs with Perez and Hamilton ahead, and was closer to them than Leclerc and Gasly were able to be to him. So. He was, I mean, there hasn't been much of a step up in the Aston Martin car, surely. Surely it's a similar car that was being driven in Spain and Portugal and stuff where it was struggling to get out of Q2 um, and struggling to be a contention for points. And now it's, in in this race, it was clearly faster than the car that took pole position and the car that nearly took pole position in the Alpha Tauri. So that's, you know, that's a, a stunning performance, really. When you look at it like that, the race pace yeah, there... Made- Q3, which is yeah, bonkers to think about. Mm. It's it's yeah. it's a brilliant job, and <laughs> he could have won the race if Perez's hydraulics issue had gone had gone south a little bit quicker. Yeah, I mean, that I would mean, have been something. I, yeah, it definitely would have. And I think I said after Monaco and Vettel, that was his best best performance about eighteen months. But I think his backup performance is bettered it already uh, it was phenomenal because I think he was unlucky with the red flags because he would have almost certainly made Q3 I think I don't know where he would have been but we'll never know but he was 300 alone. yeah that's right yeah and and just for his race race alone he he was just outstanding he's we, we talked about how perhaps he isn't the best in wheel to wheel racing but he kind of Proved that wrong in a way on Sunday, and and yeah, he was he clinical. Had the pace, he had the tire management, clinical. Yeah, I, I think that, mm. think that, that that's a that's a good word to describe it. His race. Uh, mm. I yeah, think I, I don't want to kind of be drawing too much from just two good races for him, but it does feel like he's got his confidence back, which has been kind of what's been lacking. Yeah. I think since Leclerc came into Ferrari, and if he is on that, and I guess we'll see over the next two three races whether that's kind of a um, more permanent thing or just kind of two um, madcap weekends but if it is then he could be on for a really good season yeah. because we know what he can do when he's got to grips with the car and he knows it and he's tuned into it because he's such a fast driver and he's a four-time world champion yeah. feels like he's got faith in the team in a way that he didn't have in it so much with Ferrari but I mean that's that's more questions of Ferrari to be honest but who knows um, I kind of think yeah the, the two drivers who, well, actually, I guess the three drivers who were on the podium, I think you could make a case for saying they're the three drivers who raced the best in terms of actual wheel-to-wheel combat in in the race. I mean, yeah, Gasly was overtaken by Vettel, but other than that, Perez, you know, overtook himself, overtook other cars to get himself into that position. And when he needed to do the in-laps and stuff with pit stops, he did them 
to such a degree that he was going purple in every sector on an in-lap and stuff like that, which is something really rare these days. Um, and Vettel did essentially the same for his strategy. He overtook when he needed to and was supremely fast when he need, needed to. And both were really fast when they were in kind of conservation stages as well. So I think you've got two of the best drivers in that race in first and second. And I think that's um, very good. And you don't get that in modern Formula One because of the fact that, you know, every car is not as good as one particular car. Yeah, you mentioned Gasly there, Freddie, and it's his third podium in F1 in, in the Alpha Tauri. And I mean, in qualifying alone, at one point, it looked like he was going to be on pole position when he went fastest in the first sector, which is 45 seconds long or 40 seconds long as well. So it's quite uh, a long part of the lap. Uh, but it didn't quite happen. Second row of the grid still, though, was an outstanding effort. And then in the race, Despite having a, a problem with the power unit for the second half of the Grand Prix, he managed to get third place. And so just a phenomenal job once again. Mm. It feels like this was kind of the race we expected to Alpha Tari to have maybe at Bahrain or something like that, obviously with Sonoda going well too. Um, but yeah, again, like you say, he he was so fast and he could have, could have had Paulus Sonoda had, you know, backed off. It would have been a tough call, but I think, you know, that was definitely within their grasp. And yeah, to then come back, to then come back through and finish third, you know, again, there's the caveat that we'll have with all these finishes that there was, um, you know, they took advantage of problem further up the grid, but someone's got to do that. And yeah, yeah, you know, the, you look at the drivers, he beat Leclerc and Norris behind him. It was a, again, a, a, Top top drive from Gasly, and he's now got all got three podiums and got a position on each. It's quite nice. <laughs> yeah, nice circularity. He's finished one, two, and three. Um, Triangularity, I guess, because you make a triangle out of them. Yeah, triangularity. Pierre Gasly, the triangle driver. Um, <laughs> he, there were some fantastic moments throughout the race from Pierre and Alpha Tauri in their um the early pit stop phases as well. He jumped Leclerc, and that was brilliant. It was a brilliant job for him to jump Leclerc just because he he just got all his inlaps perfect. He got his <clears> tyres <throat> heated up. Bless you, Adam. He got his tyres heated up fantastically quickly and then was just, com just completely able to take advantage of um, Ferrari, who had already pitted earlier, earlier than him, I want to say, and just overcut the Ferrari So and kept Leclerc behind for the whole race, essentially, apart from for about 300 metres with two laps to go where Leclerc tried to slipstream past him and he just slipstreamed back past him. Like, yeah. Gasly, he raced fantastically and he just drove brilliantly in that car. There were, there were um, yeah, like, yeah, there was just a fantastic air about him this whole weekend. And I don't know, for me, he was, like, you normally, an Alpha Tauri podium, you'd think, oh my God, I remember when he got his first podium in Brazil, it was humongous. It was so ridiculous that Gasly was on the podium and now he, He's he's a regular challenger at that half of that half of the grid now, and it's brilliant for him. It's such a good performance from from Gasly and and Alpha Tauri. And yeah, like you say, Adam, normally when they're up this this high up in the grid, like Imola qualifying way up, um, Bahrain qualifying way up, and you know it's been tri trickling back down the field. But he stayed in contention for the whole race in the top positions. Twenty one point yeah. call, which must be bar the. Uh... Bargas makes win must be the most they've got for a long time, I'd imagine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and then that racecraft when he did get 
back in behind the slipstream of Leclerc, and then brakes super late. I thought I was mega racing from from both of them. You know, clean, hard, fair racing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what we want to see. Uh, let's talk about then. Well, just two moments that made me scream. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll say that and shout. Uh, let's start Let with Verstappen. Yeah, <laughs> let's start with Verstappen. I mean, oh, he was. He must have been so so angry when when that moment happened. I mean, we could see how how frustrated he was. He did everything right. He didn't put a foot wrong on it during the race, and then his tie blew out. I mean, I don't even know what to say. Mm, I think it's yeah, it must be so gutting. I can't. I just can't imagine. Like, I can't even imagine myself in his situation that would kind of be comparable to that. But. Yeah, it was, like you say, he'd done everything right on the Sunday. And like we said with Perez, even with Hamilton's slow start, he would have comfortably come out ahead of him. I think he would have beaten him by about a second um, out of the pits. So, yeah, he'd done everything right. The team had done everything right. And then the one bit of the car that they don't design, and that's the bit that goes wrong and sends him into the barrier. And, you know, the only positive, well, the only two positives really are that he's okay and that, for, from his perspective, Hamilton didn't lose any, uh, didn't gain any points in the championship because that could have been a fifty-point swing in the championship, yeah. and you know that's kind of that's it really. It was going from uh, sort of a net, if you take the whole championship being something like a fifteen-point lead for Verstappen, like you say, and then it could have gone the complete other way, um, and it looked like it was going to be about half an hour at least, and then when Hamilton nearly took the lead, it looked like it was going to be another um, sucker punch to Verstappen. But we'll get on to Hamilton. Um, yeah, the, the the Pirelli debate is. I mean, obviously everyone sort of jumps on tire failures immediately. Pirelli have sort of stuck to their guns, and no, we really think it's debris. And you look at the fact that um, uh, uh, Norris did a stint on hard tires that was in like forty-one laps long, and he and they they looked at those tires and thought, well, there's no wear on these really at all. They looked at other tires and. and have found no excessive wear, and there's only one tire they found with a massive cut on that didn't break, um, didn't get a puncture, and that was on Hamilton's car. So Hamilton could have got a puncture as well from yeah. debris. And there was, um, you know, going to be debris left over from the feature race of the Formula Two, which was, um, so, so is that what a, a madness, saying at the moment? They think it's debris, they think it's debris. Um, I got there, um, yeah. uh, here we go, Mario Zola because, because said, Hamilton's it was left rear, Strauss was left rear, Verstappen's left rear for me. Yeah. Did they always say it's debris? And 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 over the last twelve months, we had we had the Silverstone madness last year with Hamilton, uh, Science or Ricardo, I can't remember. And Kvyat, yeah, Kvyat, uh, Verstappen in Imola, Stroll in Mugello, and then oh, if you we, we can look back at many many years, but just in the last twelve months alone, we've had these weird tire failures where there's no signs of a loss of pace, no signs of high tire wear or blistering and it just comes out of nowhere and I don't think that's right I, I think, well, I think wrong the way it. they what they're saying about like coming out of nowhere is where they get the debris argument from obviously and what Mario Azola has said in his sort of official statement is um that they need to clearly establish the facts behind the incident um they're a, they're a long way from Italy so it's going to take a couple of days for them to actually get you know properly underway with the investigations but they should have some answers to sort of how they sort of piece it together with the cuts like an aeroplane investigation. I've heard it, um, I heard Sky Sports describe it as. And we maybe will have something like that by the end of this working week, I'd say. Um, 
But yeah, so they'd say no warnings or vibrations were detected and none of the other tyres of a similar age or older showed any signs of excess wear. So we cannot exclude that damage was caused by an external factor, although these things shouldn't happen and we can understand the need for answers. So I think, yeah, like you say, Nigel, there's this accumulation of instances that um, well, it's not, I'll, I'll it's not an excuse one. to jump on Pirelli. It's, it's, it, we're supposed to be jumping on Pirelli because, yeah, the tyres, even with no warning, they should, you know, like look at Bottas's puncture in 2019. He was at that point on the straight where Verstappen was really sort of in between where Verstappen's stroll was when he got his puncture. That was definitely from debris because Magnussen and Gasly had crashed into each other or something beforehand. But um, yeah, he was able to hold it because of the way the tyre blew. The way the tyres are blowing now is much more aggressive, it seems. I don't know if that's me just, you know, getting a little bit over on top of it. But like, yeah, that seems to be... You're right, Nigel. There seems to be way too much of this. And teams aren't pushing the tyres. Stroll's yeah. instant was, what, lap yeah. 31? I'm um, on those hard yeah. tyres. Verstappen said he had, he had lots of like speed left in him. He was driving within himself. Have you got any thoughts on this, Adam? Um, no, I think it's hard. The, the way Pirelli have kind of come out and seem to be pushing the debris theory, I don't know. I think... It seems if they if they didn't genuinely believe that, then they just kind of say, oh, well, you know, review all factors and not want to rule anything out at the moment. But I'll be interested to see what they come out with and I hope it is kind of publicised. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've just looked on Twitter now and underneath the, um, that Pirelli comment that Freddie's just read out, there's a lot of people lambasting them. And then there's someone commenting, do you think that Pirelli made the tyres explode on purpose? Which, you know, it's not... I just think, you know, there needs to be some perspective on this that that they want the tires to last you know they don't want this at all and yeah i think just wait wait and see what the investigation comes back with and then if if it is found that they made the wrong decision with either the compounds they brought to the race or with the tire um construction start with then jump on them yeah these I mean, tires it's a they... c3 wasn't it on the trap that's low deck in fact just hardly has any deck it's smooth yeah. as well Corners are not high speed. It was the um the tire equivalent was um of the hard would have been the medium in the 2019 race, I think. Um yeah. but yeah, these and then these new tires are um the 2021 harder, tires. Yeah. They're harder anyway, they're heavy, they're heavy tires, they're brutes of a tire, they're a nightmare to sort of drive. Look at Valtteri Bottas. Um like he's putting a lot down to tyres and like they think they're up to temperature and then like it's the core not up to temperature the bit you can't measure which is the the actual sort of existing bit of the tyre and stuff like that and they're it's a dark art and I don't know ever since Pirelli have come in in 2011 when they got the tender it's it's been like tyres 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 have been just mad like you look at sort of 2005 and six, the sort of peak of the tyre war between Michelin and Bridgestone. And they were super soft compounds, but they were lasting. And you could push on those tyres for um, for so long. Forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, they were designed to last 60-odd laps in 2005. And it was only really like external factors that would throw them off, such as a broken suspension for Raikkonen, really, that kind of... <laughs> interrupted his tyre, which caused him to have a crash. But other than that, those tyres would stay at a brilliant level of low fuel cars because of the refueling in that time. These, So they're going, you know, massive lows. 
these cars obviously are fast as hell and have periods with low fuel and periods with high fuel. But like, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. Like <laughs> you're an international tire supplier. You supply tires to supercars. You supply tires to like, pretty much every car company, and you're supposed to be like the sporty tire supplier. But why is it like you know, drop of a pin, drop of a hat? And it's like, oh, it's gone. Oh, look at that. It's like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You... Just this would be a bit of a lottery. Like that. That's my problem. But yeah, just like we've talked about, we'll see what they say. Uh, it can't be a lottery. I mean... It was twice at the same track. Surely not. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. And there's a massive cut, like you say, in the left rear. Never the ignore a coincidence. Oh, that's that Stroll. Stroll one, I guess. And that was at high speed. Um, no, Verstappen in, in the Imola, actually. Oh, Verstappen Imola. Imola, yeah. Yeah, so I think... Yeah. It's... I don't know. It's Silverstone that kind None of, of comes knows. into it more than those. Yeah, it's the Silverstone one where, like you say, yeah, science... Um, I think that's... That's Hamilton the kind of Bottas, and that that was all like the front left tire, wasn't it? So that was they all had the same tire going. This is another thing where it's the same tire. It's yeah, we're not tire technicians, but we're you know we're interested in safety. I mean, come on, yeah, we've exactly, not seen the yeah. tires. I, well, I haven't anyway. I don't know whether I agree. You have, but yeah, I I see what comes out. But I think if it is, if they do find that it was, you know, Pirelli's for either, like you say, with it construction or the choice of tyres for this track then that is you know they there should be really serious looks at whether Pirelli should continue to supply an F1 because there could have been two very serious injuries today yeah I, I, I'd agree yeah I think, I think that's the main thing both cars were safe they're okay and it's just a testament as we talked about before to the, to the safety of modern day F1 cars that they, they can't have a massive crash into a concrete wall and the drivers can just walk out so it could have been a bit of a disaster for, for Staffan, but instead, I mean, another moment that maybe just shout. I mean, well, first of all, what was your both of your reactions to Hamilton locking up? I, I, I want to know. Oh, it was it was just kind of like you know proper like swearing and then speechless for a good few <laughs> minutes, and then like oh my god. Gasly and Leclerc are fighting. Don't do that. We've got to recover from this. That kind of thing. It was just like... Like a cartoon. Yeah. Adam. And then Freddie, like, ran out of his window. Like, on, he was running on thin air for, like, five <laughs> seconds before he realised and then, like, fell off. Um, oh, no, I've got to go and watch the race. Yeah, I, I just... I couldn't believe it. I was just shocked. And there's so, there's so many elements to it. There's the... Um, the championship swing, and then there's the Perez getting um, Perez getting the win again, and um, Gasly getting the podium, and it's like there's just so, like so much to think about in that like moment, in that few seconds. I, I mean, taking a kind of more more measured look at it, that is absolutely massive in the championship. That is like it, it's hard to underestimate how big that is in a championship that at least I think will go down to the final race. Then. Mm. A swing like that is, I can't, I can't believe it. I'm still, I, yeah. I'm still in shock. It, it would have been a dagger to the heart of Verstappen like as well. <laughs> That's great to know. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it would have been, like I said, a dagger to the heart for Red Bull and Verstappen if Hamilton won after what happened to Verstappen with his puncture as well. So it was just a huge, huge moment. And it was a mistake. He he, he said he on the upshift, he flicked the magic button, which is a button that heats up the brakes, heats up the tyres. During the safety car, but you don't want it on uh, when you're actually racing because it will just lock up your tyres and there's not much you can do about it. Well, um, Freddie looks like he wants to say something. <laughs> yeah, there's some specifics to it. It basically cuts off all rear brakes. Um, yeah. So you can essentially do like a, I think something like an 80% front brake bias, which is huge. Wow. Um, and just basically <laughs> means you've normally got they, no... Normally they run at like 50, don't they? 55. Yeah, normally 50, 55. Maybe 55 in, in the wet and 50 in the dry, that kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas this is huge. I mean, you can understand it for when you're going at slow speeds, just pile all the heat at the at the brakes in the front of the car. And he definitely turned it off. Bono, his engineer, said he turned it off when they played a little team radio um, interjection in Park Fermi. And yeah, so like you say, Nigel, it just basically meant that he couldn't stop the car because he only had half the brakes on his car. Yeah, uh, he had to move done as well. And after all of mm. what happened, because Mercedes looked like they were in the absolute... I don't even know what to say. Woods. Make making sense. Yeah. They, they did not look good all weekend, basically, until Hamilton and only Hamilton was Bottas was awful. Hamilton turned it round in, in qualified. I thought um, you meant I thought you like, meant they looked like they were going to be winning when he had got in front. Oh, so I was like, oh, in the pound seats for the win. I just and then you're like, yeah, the they were terrible. Oh, <laughs> God, they look like they're in the water bottle oh, or the headphones so, yeah, or the cold you mean, gate. You mean like they're in the doghouse? Yeah, there we go. Word with Nigel. Uh, but yeah, after all... That could be a podcast in itself. Word with Nigel. <laughs> we don't you just want say that. a word that makes no sense to anything. And that is a podcast in itself. Yeah. Not a long podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've lost my trail of thought now. <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say. Yeah, You're it, talking it about Mercedes with... being bad this weekend. Yeah. yeah. And they look like they're in the, the doghouse. Flyer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and definitely in the I, bin. I think he, I think he bottled it in a way. I think he, mm. he did. Yeah, he did bottle it. He bottled, like we said earlier, the championship lead that could have been there. And like, yeah, there's a lot of talk about oh, this could have been massive for the championship, and now it's irrelevant for the championship um, because the points are the same as entry. Which and both things are true. And like you were saying, Adam, how huge it is for the championship. So the mentality here is that. Um, you're going out of this is like the biggest low for both drivers of all se- of the season of however long in their careers. Like, can't surely there hasn't been a low this big in Hamilton's career since like 2016, I would say. Um, and for Verstappen, he's obviously never been in this position before. Where for a good half an hour, he thought you know a sheer a pure um, opportunity to have his own massive lead in the championship had been taken away from from him because of that blowout. So it's huge. And we're not going to stop talking about this for years. Yeah. years. Do you think the pressure has anything to do with it, Adam? Yeah, I think so. I think you yeah. didn't do that if it's like Bottas or, you know, like 2019 Vettel behind him or, you know, not behind him, but kind of fighting with him for the title. Yeah, I, I think it's so big because it's like his look. He's had an absolutely massive slice of look here. And, you know, in general, I don't like talking about that. Like you look at Emily and you think actually he got a slice of look, but actually he then yeah. 
did so so well. He, you know, he, done not yeah, not many drivers could have done that. Here, it was you know completely given to him that he had this chance to make up so much ground on Verstappen when it looked like he'd be losing even more ground in the title fight, and now he's just you know thrown that away through completely his mistake. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's. I think for me, it's that. Like I think. You can't imagine Verstappen will do the same, you know, if and when Hamilton has a retirement or Hamilton's on the back foot or throws away a race lead. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, every other driver made the corner. Um, I mean, that's the kind of, that's the the, the point of it. It's like... Of even, the, even like when it's a street circuit, it's like normal drivers manage to make it. And get of like, like, yeah, exactly. Like every, as, as Airy, who's turned through there, has made the corner and that kind of thing. <laughs> Bakuvian. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> but like, and yeah, it is, it is at the end of the day, it's a byproduct of Hamilton's mistake that he flicked this switch that he wasn't supposed to flick and stuff like that. And it's just, he didn't mean to and that kind of thing. It's not like he, like he broke in the right place for if the brakes were going to be doing the right thing and stuff like that. And you know, the question is, why was that switch able to be flicked? I've no idea where it is on the Mercedes steering wheel. I don't know if he just pressed in with his arm in the wrong position, but he always has his hands in a particular position yeah. with the start. And I don't know if that with his one hand sort of on top of the steering wheel, whether that kind of threw into it. And because of the short distance to the actual um, turn in from the start, whether he was moving his hand back from the top of the steering wheel too quickly to all of the side of a thing I don't know but if it's on the upshift I thought that's on the right but I don't know enough about the Mercedes steering wheel it seems it seems too rare a mistake really this has never happened before but also the pressure as well never happened before but like I don't see him as a driver who's shaking to accidentally flicks a switch it's it's really hard it was his mistake it's just I don't know I don't know it was his mistake when you're a when you're a learner driver and you're like have your hands on the wheel and then you just like keep turning the round then you need to indicate and you're just like stuck up there trying to reach for the <laughs> indicators but like you've moved your hammer rather than keep it at the same place and then it's like oh damn except you really like but then you're like oh no but i'm using that to break and stuff like that oh, i wasn't but anyway <laughs> <laughs> i mean hamilton for me he's been so good in these types of situations to to capitalize on when luck does go his way or when there's a mistake from, from others as Freddie and Adam, if you watch it on YouTube, uh, do some funky... I'm inventing a, I'm inventing a pulley system so that I can turn the <laughs> indicator in my first driving lesson with my mouth. So, like how do you push it? How do you push it down, though? You, um, you get one of those fun modern cars which has an automatic release of it. You just can't ever turn left. Oh, Halton couldn't turn left over there, could he? So hey, hey. <laughs> back on track, but he's not because he went off track. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't um, get I mean, track. I'm, I'm just kind of like Adam. I just couldn't believe what was happening. And the worst thing is, on the team radio, he said it's a marathon, not a sprint, as well. I know, <laughs> I know. That happened. Oh, he just, he just couldn't make it up. He just couldn't. It's a marathon, yeah. not a sprint, but that doesn't mean he shouldn't have done what he did, which is have a fantastic start at that restart. Yeah, Perez. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I said Perez had one bad thing this weekend. It was a Q3 first lap, but to be fair, that re- that restart was also actually pretty shoddy from him. If you look at mm. Hamilton and Vettel, were kind of basically swamping him, and Hamilton did the best job from a second position on the grid to get his car alongside well, there. 
Um, and then he just had hooks about smashing the back of him. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a really good point. So, Perez is if he'd been uh, Hamilton got a good start. If he'd yeah, been in third, yeah, if he'd yeah. been in third or any position behind the front row, then he would have caused an absolute chaos. <laughs> it would have been insane. Would it be like an F1 online game? Like, it kind of was still though. Where you just, still where was, you just kind of like go into the first corner and then just everyone behind you crashes into you. It still was. I mean, the amount of online races I've done on the F1 game where you drive, you know, go side by side with someone, they'll just go off to Narnia somewhere, and then you'd be like, "Oh, there we go." And it's that kind of thing. Like uh, even where he was, I, I, it was still lucky not to hit Perez. To be fair, actually, it's a good point. Like because Perez was, it was well on the turn in because it's not, a, it's not a long braking zone. They're only, you know, it's, it's it's a few gears up and then a few gears down, and that's it. It's, and I don't know if you guys have seen Mercedes put a clip up on social media of Toto Wolff's reaction yeah. to it. Oh, no. And that's honestly, I felt uncomfortable watching that. That was the hardest thing to watch. Um, it was just like the, the sheer joy in the garage that then got replaced with the sheer despair in in sort of milliseconds is oh my goodness. I mean it was, you say that that was not really me. bad. I don't know if this sound this this might sound really bad, but I kind of feel it's justice for what happened to the to Verstappen in a way. Because if Hamilton had a big lead, I would have not not that I'm like biased or to either one or not, I might be a bit. You're sounding like, quite biased. Just, <laughs> you are sounding quite biased. It, it sound, I just I want the championship to be close on fair terms in a way. Well, let's have Paris like, win just, every race for a few weeks and then yeah. we'll have three drivers yeah. in the in the fight. Yeah, that, that that's what I'd like to happen. And it just, I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, from a neutral's perspective, it keeps the championship close. And I, I, I agree with that. I'm happy with that outcome. But for both drivers, I think both situations are really sad. So it's kind of like, I'd, yeah. I'd say how the Stappen, he did nothing wrong at all, but Halton, it's on him. And I'd say Halton's been the luckier driver by quite a bit this season. I, I want the championship to be decided by good driving and I kind of want it to be decided by, you know, an incredible overtake or an incredible recovery driver or whatever. And, um, you know, great time management or, or brilliant strategy. I think that's what I want it to be decided by rather than the mistakes of people or teams. And yes, Verstappen, you know, it was Pirelli's, potentially Pirelli's mistake that got him out, but, yeah, that's that's not kind of down to him, and I I just want it to be kind of decided by a positive influence, and you know I I expect at some point the tables will be turned, and Verstappen will have the chance to capitalise on misfortune that befalls Hamilton, and I think he already yeah. has. Mm. So yeah, it's yeah when Imola. Hamilton put himself out of the fight. Yeah, yeah Hamilton got... Was Hamilton, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Hamilton was two seconds behind, less than that. He was closing, Hamilton, yeah. Hamilton was closing on him, and there was a fight for the lead. And then after that, there was never a fight for the lead. So that's, you know, given a free pass to then take that win, isn't it? But, like, if we yeah, start... How, one oh, second. Okay. If we start going into all this stuff about luck, then we start negating everything everyone does. It's mm. this whole thing about the 2016 things. Like, yeah, Hamilton had this these engine failures and yeah consequently that meant that he had to work harder later on in the championship and that all that kind of stuff but like that take doesn't shouldn't take away from the fact that Rosberg when he drove fantastically all year and capitalized on those kind of things and people forget about that kind of stuff and it's like whenever there's bad luck 
like you said earlier, Adam, with Gasly's podium, it's like someone's got to be there to capitalize it, capitalize on it, and they're doing a good job to capitalize on it. So it's like, yeah, luck happens, bad luck happens, and it, it just feels like a waste of time to kind of like try and match the luck. I always think. Mm. For individual races, yeah, I agree. It's for championships, for the, yeah. the whole thing, it yeah, mean, luck, I'd, luck I'd is want... always there, and bad luck is always there, and good if driving I want to is always see there, a and fair... bad driving is always there. Yeah, but you're not going to get that, then, s- are you? The best yeah, way is to ignore it. Well, cool. Let's... Yeah, but... Don't go into a championship it's... thinking no, no, neither Verstappen or Hamilton is going to have any bad luck. All of their pit stops are going to be perfect. All of their tires, all of their engines, all of their gearboxes yeah, are going to be perfect. Pit stops are different. That's a team error. Be like and reliability is different. That's a for team error. Thing, but team errors and reliability errors. come into it because it's a team yeah, sport. But tire and, um, failures don't. But everyone has the opportunity to run the same tires. They're not and built the in a different way. Are they? They're built as well in the same for, way. For Hamilton in in Imola. Oh, fine. Let's just do a time trial. <laughs> exactly. Go and watch rallying or something. I do. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go and do that on your own. Uh, we're going a bit off topic. We might continue this debate uh, next week or something. Because it is quite interesting. Uh, let's talk about Bottas, something we might all agree with. And it was basically... Well, they had well, a good weekend. I mean, <laughs> how Was it his worst weekend at Mercedes, do we think? He had a lot of bad luck. Oh. Where, where was <laughs> it? Was it Imola? Was <laughs> um, it Imola, Imola that he did awfully? I think this is his worst because yeah. Imola and Turkey were wet. Right. This is dry. Um, and to be fair, I mean, yeah, the Mercedes is way off at the start, but like of the weekend, that is. Um, but Hamilton qualified on the front row. Hamilton nearly took the lead with three laps to go, two laps to go. Bottas couldn't overtake Lando Norris and was going off him. Like, come on. Like, what? The, 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 the side of him as well. The, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. He took pole and won the last time we were there. And, and he nearly won the year before that. So it's kind of like, come on, Bottas. The team has got on top of these issues and has come up with a system to do that, yeah, you're entitled to go your own way and have the, the higher downforce wing, but the team don't think that's the right way to go because look at what's happening to Lewis Hamilton and look, oh, he's on the front row. Like, come on, Valtteri. Like, come on, mate. Yeah. I, I can't... And I, I, we've said this so, so many times, but he's got a definite problem of following cars or, or racing. <sighs> he, he just... He's like you, Nigel. He prefers a time there. trial to a race. That's the <laughs> yeah. thing. Like he's a really fast driver, and he he's he justifiably there for the most part on pace. Only this year, really, has he not been there on pace. And he, every other year in the Mercedes, with like qualifying and stuff, he deserves to be there based on pace. But in races, he doesn't deserve to be there. He can't. He's not a race driver. He's a fast driver. And we've said this before about him, but Ooh. I've never seen it more than this weekend, where he just cannot race for toffee and this track is it's designed for a slipstream it's 2.2 kilometers that's straight come on mate i can't cope with it i feel like slapping him it really cost mercedes as well here like it's they could have so done with having him in 
the fight and being able to mix it up because having Perez there as well, if Verstappen and Hamilton hadn't both had their issues at the end of the race, then that's still, you know, Perez would have cost Hamilton an extra three points compared to if they'd had Albon and Gasly in the seat most likely. Um, it's They needed Bottas there to be able to mix it up and to be able to be at least on Perez's level to, you know, the Constructors Championship as well. We're not even thinking about that, but Red Bull yeah. have lost another 18 points from that and that would have been a huge swing there as well so ah, it's it's so costly like sometimes he's not been on the pace with Hamilton in last year he was not on the pace with Hamilton for a lot of the races but it was oh you know it didn't really make a massive difference anyway it was only oh you know we're not going to have a championship fight but this year for Mercedes it's so costly for them you you raised a really good point there about sort of the second driver debate with the championship and stuff like that and the whole, everything we said at the top of this podcast about Perez and why he's doing better than Albon and Gasly and stuff like that, Bottas is, was, was, was the yardstick we used to measure that on. We used to go, look at Bottas. He can qualify nearby and he can, he can do the wingman role and he can succeed at that for a lot of it. He might not like to be the wingman, but he's good at it. But he wasn't good at it anymore. He's fallen off. He's, he's the Albon and Gasly in this situation. I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I, well, I, I have done. <laughs> I'm going to defend him because I think I think Mercedes is a very tricky car to get into the right operating window and Hamilton had the exact same problem in Monaco yes he can't overtake but in qualifying when it mattered Hamilton could not get his car and his tyres into the working window I think it's just the same problem with Bottas I think this, uh, in, in Azerbaijan but it's not he's, been, he's had this he's had an armchair ride in a race winning car for so long and kind of the point of him being there is for these it's for these situations and the fact that he's not there I think it is fair to criticise him because that's his yeah, but problem he's not two weeks ago Hamilton had, had the same problem yeah that's a good point it is a role reversal Hamilton, that Hamilton's got three there. Hamilton's got three wins in the second place this season yeah, yeah but, but then again Bottas has three third places of course to be fair, Bottas has three third places, and like when he's been there, he's been there. Like, like when he's been there, he's in the two races he's not been there, four races he has been there. One of them he had a pit stop issue, otherwise, he would have been second. To be fair, it's kind of like, um, there's there's pros and cons, and like, but the cons seem to be outweighing the pros at the moment, I'd say. The way I see it is that after five Bottas's seasons, Azerbaijan weekend was a role reversal of Hamilton's Monaco weekend, except Bottas. It's just not as good. worse than doing badly. Well, no, he's better at being bad than Hamilton was. That's the thing. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a fair point. Yeah, but for me, I think, I think that's that's how I see it. So I don't. I think Imola was worse. I'd say. So. Yeah, that's just how I see it. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? I think Imola was better. Process? I think Imola was better because he showed flashes of pace throughout practice and stuff like that. And whereas yeah. with this, there was never a lap where he was good. Like practice Friday practice, yeah, we were going about how far down Mercedes was. Hamilton in out of the top ten, Bottas out of the top ten. But Bottas was a further second back from Hamilton outside of the top ten. It's like there wasn't a good bit. For Bottas here and yeah it was bad out of the box but he was worse out of the box by a country mile whereas at least in like someone like Imola and Turkey he he had flashes and stuff like that 
and there was potential and he didn't meet that potential and things things from but, with, but with back that. Is such an odd circuit because the conditions so, change a lot. So what is an even odder circuit? It's, no, Baku's a more odd circuit, I'd say. They're both it's odd circuits, but odd is like odd's a thing that you've got to deal with because they're Formula One racetracks, aren't they? It doesn't it is, matter if it's an it odd circuit. It wouldn't surprise me if, if Bottas. If we said, oh, Alex Albon's off because it's an odd circuit. It really wouldn't. Oh, Alex Albon's off because it's an odd circuit. You would jump on him like, what's an odd circuit? I'm going to end you. And <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Virtual <laughs> the Olympic trampoline. Yeah, like, you know, I think in, in Monaco, Hamilton. He had the pace to make up positions, but he couldn't in Monaco. Yes, he wouldn't have made it to probably the podium, but I think he could have made it into the, you know, into the top five at least. But here it was Bottas, you know, there's not that constraint. It's, as Freddie said, there's a 2.2 kilometre straight. And it's not just, it's not just kind of bad positioning or anything like that. He was just slow and he was unable to overtake because of, the other drive him being slower than the other drivers that was all there was to it and he qualified 10th yeah. i'd forgotten that but he qualified 10th there was a red flag yeah but still, yeah well, don't criticize perez then for qualifying seventh yeah I, I i did in my in my article thing i did exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah yeah i criticize everyone uh, so criticize yeah, what us they I, I have i have i I always are you going I'm, with three and a half? Out of 10? I do. You got three I'm and a half. I'm just saying that. Why didn't he get a two and a half? Yeah, why did he get a three and a half, not a two and a half, not a two? Because what's the saving grace? Because the races he did last when week, he did two corners. So that's the difference. That, wait, because 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 um because he did two corners in Bahrain, he's got a three and a half this weekend. No, Mazepin I, oh, no, I gave a, a a two in Bahrain because he only did two corners and. Mazepin's uh, a cold case, though. Man, that was Mazepin's first Grand Prix weekend. Valtteri Bottas is... And that was... Like, you what? should have given yeah, Mazepin like, like, a one anyway. So it's like, that's moot anyway. But then Bottas... No, you can't give a point cases. per corner because then everyone after one lap would be way above that. <laughs> I thought I'm not giving a 10. No one's getting a 10 this season unless... There's only one scenario where someone can, can get a 10, I'll say that. What? And that's like, like they like buy you a prize? I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of any to, other way. There would have to be a midfield driver who somehow gets pole in the wet or something, but then they get disqualified from qualifying for something stupid, and then they come back through the field and win the race. Why don't you do ratings out of nine, then? I'm waiting for that to happen. But it's not going to. But like, I feel like you should be harder on I feel like you should be harder on Valtteri Bottas than a guy in his first ever Grand Prix because isn't he something like in the top ten for the amount of podiums all time? Mm. So like, that's a driver who's proved, yeah, he can be alright. So surely if he has a terrible performance, you should jump on him. And like, there was, Bottas, there's no expectation of Bottas as back. well. It's Bottas, Bottas, Bottas is he here. For... I didn't hear anything you said. Oh, yeah, yeah that was my mistake. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, right. Bottas Just... bounces back from bad weekends, and I think that's a, something that we shouldn't take for granted in a way. Yeah, so that's fair enough. I guess podium for the next the race. Yeah. How many drivers, if they've been Lewis Hamilton's teammate in the last four years, would have mentally, mentally, physically just been out of it? Was Bottas? Oh, I'm sure tons. I'm sure tons. Like, so that's why I, I always. I kind of, that shouldn't rate this I kind of weekend. feel sorry for him in a way. 
Yeah, but I think that that's fair looking at his overall career. But I think when you're looking at individual, even if we leave the ratings aside, like looking at this weekend, I don't think that yeah, kind of redeems yeah, it in but, itself. Yeah, but I don't think it's Saturday at least. Or it's Friday and Saturday. It was no worse than Hamilton's Monaco. I just think he doesn't have the racecraft and that was the only difference. Yeah, it's a massive difference, yeah. I, I just don't think it was racecraft. I just... I, I think, think that comes into it, but I think there was... I, I think there's more to it, because like I say, his Friday and Saturday were way off. Way but off Hamilton. The, but that's Hamilton's Friday the... and Saturday in Monaco, Thursday and Saturday, what were they like? I can't... They weren't, well, you know, it wasn't mixing driver, with nobody, was he? That. Hamilton's a better driver, and we expect him to be ahead of Bottas. So... So that's even so, more damning. That's arguably more damning than <laughs> saying Bottas had a bad race because you're saying automatically Hamilton should be ahead. Like that Bottas is so bad that he should never be ahead of Hamilton. No, not, not Hamilton's so great that he should be ahead. Yeah, I see that more as that, to be yeah. fair. Uh, yeah. That's a hard well, one to, to counter for the Hamilton being so great I, thing. I think the Mercedes, the Mercedes car, compared to the Red Bull, it, it's a lot trickier to get into the right window and Hamilton had to try so many different setups and combinations to find that right window. Yes, he found it, Bottas didn't. But Hamilton could very easily have gone down the same route because the Mercedes W12 is so fickle. It's a, it's another diva. Diva forever. Yeah. Diva's are uh, it is a diva. No, it is a diva, yes. It's just... I still think it drives a lot better than I'm sure it drives a lot better than a lot of the, the worst cars on the grid and that kind of thing. And it's it's a hard one. It's really hard. And we're, we're going around in circles with all of this. It's just mm, like, like like Bottas was this weekend. They were all were to be fair. Um, last year, yeah. Uh, let's do we move on to Fernando Alonso? Uh, I thought he you had definitely a do. good race. Because <laughs> because his restarts. I think on the, after the first safety car, went from 14th to 11th, and then after the red flag, he went from 10th to 6th, which was just crazy. Uh, I'll definitely mm. check it out if there is a video out, video out there. So, yeah, just good to see him back on some good form. Well, I think, yeah, yeah, he was driving well. But why the hell was he down in 14th at one point? What the hell was that strategy, Alpine? That was atrocious. Yeah. Not to be <laughs> shouting at everything again, but, like, it was. It was terrible, because he started in... Eighth place, I want to say. Um, yeah, eighth. Yeah. Eighth, and so he was. You know, he should have been in contention for those points that he was getting late on in the race. Like he got the sixth place. He should have been in contention for that the whole race. He should have been in, in a similar contention with like Gasly and Leclerc. I think based on his pace he showed at the restarts, he should have been up there for that point. And I think uh, Fernando saved Alpine's backsides there I think I think you're right Fernando did fantastic I think Alpine need to get their act together with that strategy mm. I agree with you on that one Freddie <laughs> yeah An- another fantastic drive from Alonso at Baku yeah I thought yeah. he was fantastic and like you say he's I don't know what the potential would have been to get even higher at the grid but or even higher in the point but yeah that's is that his best result of this season so far yes yeah I think his highest so, previous is an eighth yeah, so, yeah, like you say, good to see him back and see if he can continue this form through. But can we talk about Leclerc? Because he got pole. He got his second yeah. pole. Talking about continuing yeah. form through. And we're, like, waiting until an hour through this podcast or however far we through to talk Sorry about Sorry, Ferrari. It. Like, he got pole. Come on. 
Yes, we should talk about Leclerc. He was fantastic yeah. this weekend. I, I, I should eat some humble pie um, for saying in our preview how much I thought Ferrari were going to be way off this weekend. And they weren't. I think, actually, hats off, Ferrari, guys. You've made a much better car than I thought you had. So that, that it can be quick at Baku and at Monaco. I mean, yeah, they're weird circuits, as Nigel said. But, um, like, this is a high-speed track and in comparison to a really slow-speed track, um, the car still had good brilliant underlying pace there so hats off Ferrari yeah um, I think if if the madness didn't happen on Sunday we'd be talking about it a lot more because to get Ferrari on yeah. pole at Baku considering everything that we think about it and the, that they probably still have the worst engine maybe along with Renault slash Alpine maybe but either this way weekend. they did yeah they had fresh and fresh engines in there along with all of the Mercedes powered cars. But either way, Leclerc just fantastic. I don't think Ferrari did have the race pace, so in a way I think Leclerc maximised his result, although he could have got third if he perhaps was a bit better with Gasly. But other than that, I think Leclerc got the most out of it, whereas Sainz made a crucial error at a bit of a dodgy time in, in, in the race. Mm, yeah, I think I think like you say, it was kind of reminiscent of Spa last year a bit, some of the moments on the straight for Leclerc where he's just getting passed by Everybody, it seemed, in the first kind of five or ten laps. But after that, he stabilised. And, yeah, to get fourth um, would have been sixth otherwise. That still would have been a fantastic result. And ahead of Norris, which is fantastic. That's important. Them. Yeah, it's very crucial. That's what's put them two points ahead in the Constructors' Championship. Mm. And, of, um, of, Fer- of Ferrari, of McLaren. And Ferrari have got their qualifying... Look. Ferrari have got their no. qualifying strategy sorted out as well because they just need to get someone to crash once Leclerc goes, absolutely storms it to get onto the uh, onto the pole. And then that's a good point, actually. Yuki Tsunoda was nowhere near making that corner. He, um, yeah. I heard someone say, someone like in, in very, um, people who actually know about this kind of stuff saying he broke something like 40 meters later than he should have done to actually make the 40. corner. Yeah, which is My ridiculous. Word. Like, like, um, like there was something in there. That kind of just like Ricardo crashed and he broke way earlier than Sonoda. I've heard um, people be saying, like people like um, who work for the race and stuff, who are actually like proper journalists. And like, so he's kind of like, goodness me, Sonoda, you just kind of thought, go crazy. It's, it's just kind of a Sonoda thing. He has had a good weekend this weekend, but he, you know, there's still sort of the flashes that um, Alpha Tauri are trying to um, control of like this sort of. Uber rage, Sonoda. Yeah. Um, like the little um, sort of Kirby kind of guy who just yeah, decided yeah, to plant it into the wall and um, terrified Carlos Sainz. And I really related to Carlos Sainz accident because I did a similar one go-karting last week where you see someone crash in front of you, just lock on the brakes and don't know where to go and just the car just spins. Mm. Oh, so you think it was an accident? You don't think he was going in on purpose yeah. to uh, <laughs> save, think- save Shell's pole? After a car had already crashed in front of him, he deliberately then had a bigger, cr- a smaller crash. Sorry, didn't we have then had a smaller, less into less consequential crash to then make sure that his teammate had pole and that he could start fifth? Yeah, well, you don't, you know, Sonoda, like he might have been all right, but he just didn't realize that. I think, you know, he's got a. Carlos Sainz said a... he, um, actually, fair, Carlos Sainz, he said he saw smoke and um, didn't know whether um, whether Sonoda had gone into the runoff or into the barriers. He was like, oh, I've got to avoid this. And then he saw him and was like, ah, because he was trying to make the corner, 
signed towards. And he's like, oh, no, I can't because there's, there's a car there. And that's why he just, yeah, he did the Fushal and um, played the team game. <laughs> Definitely played the team yeah. game. Uh, speaking of teams, great segue. Uh, Williams <laughs> have dropped Microsoft Teams. <laughs> he said in a Zoom call. Uh, Williams have now dropped to last in the constructors' championship because Haas, uh, with Mick Schumacher, who got thirteenth after a, a bit of a scary, stupid move from Mazepin at the end. Uh, yeah, Haas have got ahead, which Adam predicted before the season. Adam, how are you feeling about that? Uh, vindicated. No, I think um, <laughs> I still can't see either team getting points, to be honest, which <laughs> I don't know. I can, I think it may well be decided by like Latifi finishing 11th in like Singapore or yeah. something like that. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Singapore's been cancelled. So if he does, that'll yeah. be fantastic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, oh, it's just. Both teams aren't doing very well, but Haas are just doing badly, less badly than Williams at the moment. And well, yeah, I mean, good on Mick Only this weekend, only this weekend, really. Every other matters. weekend, Williams has been better. But this weekend, Williams didn't do good at all. It was weird how no. much worse they were than usual this weekend. Mm. I mean, the reason why is because Russell had his gearbox or loss of power, which is why he couldn't oh, take up the oh, yeah, standing yeah. start. So that's why... Russell wasn't up there because I think Russell would have finished ahead of both passes and Latifi did finish ahead on the road but hey, did Russell do a pit lane start? No he didn't start at all for the standing start the, the restart on lap 49 because um, he had a yeah, problem okay. yeah, went into the garage and he would have been ahead of the hash car so that was really really costly whatever straight over my head that. Had. I missed that <laughs> yeah it's just another like you say really costly another example of really teams when they've got a chance to get a good result just not it not coming up for whatever reason, which has happened so much over the past few years. Nicholas Latifi yeah. got his first ever penalty points um, oh. because of um, which is you know good for his 2020 season, but bad for his 2021 season, I guess. And that means his whole F1 career, he's never had penalty points. But um, like now. yeah, until now, where he um, didn't go through the pits. Um, under the safety car after the seconds crash because he thought he was told not to, which to be fair, he was told not to because it says stay out, stay out, stay out. So he did yeah. stay out while the 15 cars ahead of him went into the pits. And then <laughs> they were like, oh, we meant to stay out as in just don't pit. And it was like, well, of course. <laughs> um, but Paul Latifi probably thought he was going to take the lead. Well, it's the fact as well that he like drives past the big, um, you know, like open truck lorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> putting Verstappen's car onto that's my favourite bit. He just comes that, straight past that. It was a deserved penalty, to be fair, because that was stupid yeah. from team and driver. Because the driver can see the other cars. It's not like he's the leader. He's way back. He's Latifi, so like, like he can follow the cars. And yeah, and see the trucks over there and not drive at them and that kind of thing. But yeah, it would have been great if they'd got a bold call and he would have taken the lead. But anyway, imagine if he just like floors it and then zooms around the outside and goes <laughs> it would have been awful. Like... That would have been costly for Haas. <laughs> yeah, uh, why, why do we think that some of the red flags, well, in fact, why do we think the safety cars talk? quite a while to be called for because I think that's something all mm. of us have observed I don't know 
is why at all? Because mm. we, we heard that team radio message sort of about a good minute after we'd seen everyone pass the crash for Stappen. I heard, a, and we heard Ferrari say, we're still racing. We're still racing. You've got to be racing. And he was like, no, we shouldn't be racing. I just saw a massive crash and that kind of yeah. thing, which is like, yeah, you're right, Leclerc. And I think, yeah, why was there, why was, why wasn't there like a safety car immediately? Like, um, it's, a, it's an annoying one to, to bring up, but with the Grosjean incident, by the time the cars are got, like cars were at the end of the straight when that happened, by the time they turned into the corner, there was a red flag. Like, yeah. it doesn't take much to see, oh, that's a severe issue. And yeah, when you agreed. see a car have a 200 mile an hour crash, that's a severe issue. So, I don't know. Are there, I, are there more of these? Because I, I don't know whether it's just we're noting them more because we're kind of doing the podcast on it now and kind of picking up on these things more. But, you know, just thinking back very loosely, there was the Leclerc seatbelt incident in, was it Barcelona last year? And the... Um, with one of the Williams, uh, maybe Turkey, when it was the wet track yeah. kind of going out for qualifying, and there was still a um, still a recovery vehicle out on track when they sent them all out. And there are probably more that I've... Uh, Stroller Imola as well, going really quickly in the yellow flags and nearly hitting yes. all the marshals. It, it feels like there are more of these in the last two years than I can remember for a while. And I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know what it is, but... Well, there's an interesting, quite unfortunate correlation to the passing of Charlie Whiting at the start of the 2019 season and sort of the induction of Michael Mazzi, who was at the time sort of a deputy um, to Charlie Whiting, a protege, really, um, who was sort of thrust into the role of F1 race director probably five years way too early, um, but was being groomed for it and was, you know, the, the next guy running because Scott Elkins, who was the previous sort of next guy, is now doing Formula E and doing his own big stuff. And Michael Mazzi wasn't. So Michael Mazzi was brought in and he's been the race director since then. I feel like, um, I, I don't really know if there's anyone else that this kind of falls on apart from Michael Mazzi, you're the, you're um, the race director. It's his job. It's his job to keep the track safe and the track wasn't safe. And like you say, Adam, the past two years, that's pretty much exactly matching when Charlie Whiting passed away. Hmm. Which yeah. is, Love. you know, not a not a good record, frankly. Yeah, I mean, there's the safety aspect, which is a lot more important than like what I'm about to say. But there's also the track limits thing as well. I feel that's become a lot of a much bigger talking point in the last couple of years as well. Yes, it has always been a major thing, but especially in a, a few of the early races this year, it was a bit so inconsistent and stuff. And there's been so many inconsistent penalties as well over the last year or so so yeah it's not it doesn't look great for Michael Massey I'll say that because obviously it is, it's a very difficult job and, and all that but there's been a you lot know, of mistakes sorry. I feel yeah and it's you know yes it's a very difficult job but it's I imagine quite well paid and you know it's it's kind of it's, yeah, you've got to be good you've got to be good the, to get in contention it's sure yeah, <laughs> but you know it's it's a high profile job with presumably a fair bit of perks and you know the reason for that is because he's responsible for the lives of these f1 drivers and the marshals and kind of everyone at a circuit on an f1 weekend and i, I just can't fathom you know seeing as it before can the be... even hit the wall you know as soon as it cut to the tv shot of him spinning 
you knew there was going to be a red flag. There was no way that he was going to come out of that and still be able to race and for the grid to continue unimpeded. Like, it was obvious that that was going to happen. And I just can't fathom why they didn't why they didn't do that. I don't know whether they thought because it was close to the wall, they could kind of reach over with a vehicle and pick. I, I just, I've got no idea. Yeah, <sighs> because the drivers, they don't, yes, the yellow flags, you're meant to slow down, but we know these racing drivers will do massive egos. When they see a yellow flag, they will just lift. They will not break. They will mm. lift. So it's up I to mean, the race I mean, me and Freddie doing casting with the yellow flags coming out the other day. Was... <laughs> I actually did break. <laughs> yeah, for the corners. It's up to the race director to call a safety car straight away. And I think if, when everyone sees an incident like that, when a, when a car doesn't have its wheels on, it's quite obvious that there should be a safety car yeah. straight away, not one minute after, when in that one minute period, someone may have had a similar problem. So may have gone over some debris and, and smashed out over the fence or picked up a puncher and had their own incident. There's so many things... It could happen. So the safety car needs to be called straight away so the drivers slow down and there's not there's no chance of another major incident. Yeah, and I feel like there's um to be fair to um the system in place, it's 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 not possible to essentially sort of kick one guy out and bring a new guy in because the way yeah. that these people are brought up through the system and stuff like that um requires a lot of work and a lot of training and obviously Mazzy's yeah. passed the, the appropriate um levels to get there. And yeah, and for them, like everything's pretty much been good underneath him. Um, like all the, the Anton Hubert wasn't wasn't his fault, that kind of thing, and that kind of and and we can't put that down to him and stuff like that. So it's like for the most part, it has been a safe racetrack, but it feels like it's it's towing the line with an unsafe racetrack and. That's really, really hard. And like to compare it to MotoGP, um, you'll have seen this issue, Nigel, in the Catalan GP. Um, Fabio yeah. Casararo, who was fighting for the lead of the MotoGP race, um, got like his leathers came undone. Basically, the front of his leathers came undone, and so he took out his body protector because he basically couldn't ride. And so he was riding around for it's about a forty-five minute race, MotoGP race. He's riding around for about eleven or twelve minutes with his leathers open and that means yeah. his protection was gone and this is a week after um moto three rider jason dupasquier died in a crash and oh, it's all that's that's bad and you look at that happening before an f1 race and you kind of think oh my i mean yeah obviously they're not watching the motor gp because they're watching the, f, the bad start an f1 race but it's like when the whole sort of media around one side of motorsport, which is MotoGP, is about safety and about um, uh, a really unsafe environment for the riders and stuff like that. And then for F1 to kind of, you know, be in a kind of edging to a similar position when it's like, we're not going to call a safety car. What? I don't... Yeah, that's... It annoys me. And It does, yeah. It really annoys me. And I mean, Adam and I have mentioned the karting, Gus going karting the other day, but like that, there was a group that was on sort of in between our group and, and there was like these red lights telling them to stop and they were just going full throttle, just not looking at it. And it was terrifying to watch their carts stopped and other carts going full pelt past yeah, them. It was, it was terrifying. As well. Yeah, People. it's terrifying. And that's 40 miles an hour. So God knows at 200 miles an hour with a thousand people there with spectators coming back, 
two races time we've got what Austria's got full attendance that's north of 100,000 people in their lives in control of these of these safety officials so yeah I feel, I feel like there needs to be a bit of a storm brood to say take these people's lives seriously please do yeah. you I think I've gone Adam I was just going to say do you think and I don't know whether this ties up to the decision to restart the race but it feels like they're kind of only wanting to use safety cars as a last resort, that they're kind of thinking about the spectacle and the products in terms of fans watching, that they want kind of racing to continue as much as possible. And I, I, it feels like maybe they're going too far towards that end. That's the only kind of reason I can think of that... I don't know. I don't I know. Just... The only reason I can really think of is that it's just blatantly forgetting the fact that you need to call a safety car. That's what maybe it looks just, like. I can't think of anything. Maybe other they're than overthinking that. it. Maybe they're thinking like they've got all these. We obviously now hear the teams talking to Michael Massa, which is fantastic coverage, by the way. Maybe he's kind of overthinking it and just not simplifying. Right, there's been a crash. There needs to be a safety car, and he's thinking of all these external factors. People talking in, in his ear. Maybe he's just yeah. There's something going on there. Perhaps that's the only thing I can think of. I don't think they it's like it's a. Safety car entertainment or whatever. I mean, they've got two different safety cars this year, and the Mercedes one is caked in a sponsor. So you kind of feel like if they're being cynical about it. They'd want to put out more safety cars, um, yeah. just just for sponsorship reasons. But like, I don't know. I know what you mean, Adam. It feels like there is a, a reticence to put out a safety car, but I don't know if that's more because of like the fact that the safety cars bring the pack together, rather it, than it like. Just... Uh, rather than to, like, I mean, that's me, why like, the VSC is there, surely. It just feels like they're looking for any excuse not to bring out the safety car. That's just sort of all I'm thinking, or all, all it seems to be. Mm. Maybe they need something like levels of virtual safety car, like a virtual safety car that's like 40 miles an hour in a particular part of the track, like they do in the mall. They have slow zones. Yeah. yeah. So like you got you can sort of you can be fine at this part of the track, but at this part of the track you've got a you know, you got to slow down here. This is where it's serious. I've, and I'm sure that's probably been discussed in Formula One. It's probably because it's the circuits are relatively small in comparison to like Le Mans, that kind of thing. But it's not a thing. But like, who knows? There, are, there are op- there are options to keep people safe. And yeah, that's what that's why it's called the safety car. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think you've what you've just said, Freddie, over the last ten minutes is kind of. Uh, but you basically said everything I, I would say as well. So, yeah, top job with, with that. Uh, you guys said but, good stuff too. <laughs> thank you. Uh, is there anything else we want to discuss on a pretty crazy, crazy, crazy race? I mean, I mean the only thing I, I want to say is Fun One this year has just been unbelievably good. It re- really I, I We've talked about it, I think, before Spain and stuff how amazing it was to see how to the Verstappen go wheel to wheel. But yeah, this season is, I'll go as far as saying the best season I've, I've ever seen. Oh, I'm not going that far because we've got 18 <laughs> races or something to go. Uh, um, sorry, so far. <laughs> 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 it's definitely yeah. a good one. I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of, um, particularly from me, a lot of sort of um, maybe criticism and, and high stakes conversation in this podcast but yeah for 
as an arc and everything, as like talking about it earlier, the way we were just watching that race and just completely speechless, but also shouting at the same time, all of that, like sort of going into an F1 race and actually thinking, you know what? I think this, the chance of this being good outweighs the chance of it being bad, which you know, that's really hard to say as an F1 fan, really, to be honest. <laughs> um, it says a lot about F1, but as, and it should, yeah. because like we're going into it and thinking, oh, we're watching the Spanish Grand Prix, but I think something could happen here. Oh, and it does. I mean, we've got a big challenge coming up with Paul Ricard. Like, guys, if, if that's a good race, what are we going to do? Uh, to I'm be honest, I'm going to dinner. I, I, I just think we need to have like, let's just have a bad race. Let's just have a really boring, yeah. dull, bad race to like get it out of the way, like get all the negativity. Because yeah. then after that, we've got what Austria, two Austrians, Silverstone, yeah. Hungary. We got a mad run of tracks after that. So I just think get the bad race out of the way on the bad track, and then you know kind of carry on going full bore with that. There's just three other drivers that I'd like to mention. Um, <laughs> quickly and they are Kimi, Kimi Raikkonen getting Alfa Romeo's second point of the season in a quick version of the Pesman Stakes which is all we've got time for today Sonoda did well we kind of mentioned him a bit um, with Gasly but it was a good performance from him the first kind of positive or really positive performance we've seen since Bahrain even though crashed in qualifying um, and Daniel Ricciardo on a kind of less high note it kind of feels ordinary now that he's kind of having a bad race or you know so far below Norris I know he crashed in qualifying but even so still not looking good from him the full You're winner right. at Baku yeah Ricardo was just there and like, mm-hmm. his only impact on the weekend was his Q2 crash yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we've got nothing more to add on that compared to what I've said before I don't think yeah yeah uh, so I think that just he, he did about... worse Ricardo or Bottas <laughs> Bottas. Compared to what you've said Definitely before. Bottas. Okay. Definitely Bottas. Yeah. Really? Uh... <laughs> no, really? Like, that's got to count a lot, surely. Actually, yeah. Good point. Hmm. Uh, he, he had a better pace, though, didn't he? In a McLaren. He crashed. Yeah, the crash was bad. That's a good point. But he got Bottas points in the end. Yeah. yeah. What it's do you think? What's us? I'll try that again. What do you think? Let us know before the next <laughs> podcast, which will be for the French Grand Prix next week. I've been Nigel. Where should they let us know? Oh, you should let us know on Twitter. Uh, you can find Freddie Coates on Fred Coates nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, yes. and Adam Dickinson 01. I always yep. get the year thing mixed up with them too. And I'm at Nigel C. Journal. I nineteen oh one. Still, I should know that. And our Winged It Twitter is Winged It at Winged It F1. Uh, we're also on Spotify, iTunes, and I'm sure you watch us on YouTube so you can see our funny hand actions, such as Freddy's Wave, <laughs> which is to signal <laughs> goodbye. Come and watch our funny hand actions, guys. Uh, <laughs> or on Gmail at F1 Podcast at <laughs> gmail.com, but email us. Send us an email, Deborah. <laughs> 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 